This recording is one of the first ones we did on Zoom. It is a little bit crackly, not sure if it's because of the topic material or if it was the internet signal. So please enjoy this episode for the content and not the crackles. This episode was recorded in December 2019, so When Leah refers to next year, she means 2020. So enjoy and on with the show. As a copywriter and a photographer, we definitely go through some homes with a sordid past. I know I've been through homes where you just get that chill through your spine when you step into a room that you feel that you aren't quite welcome. Uh, my brother-in-law even sold the house for the Mornington Monster. John Sharp, who killed his pregnant wife and child with a spear gun. He bought the house in October 2003 for $390,000, killed his family in March 2004, temporarily uh, burying his wife in the backyard, and then the house sold after he was charged with murder in 2006 for $325,000. A small uh, decrease in value after everybody knew that it was a house of a murder. Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff, but we are going to get to the bottom of what we need to know before we go buy or rent a property from the past. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langida. Leah Kelnan is the president of the Real Estate Institute of Victoria. She has previously served as vice president and senior vice president over the last two years and was elected the president role in October 2019. Leah is a titan of the property management and rental sector. Leah is the sole director of a prestigious Metro Property Management and was named Property Manager of the Year in 2016. Leah brings more than 24 years of real estate experience to the role, is a passionate trainer, has authored books on real estate, and is a highly sought-after presenter on rental laws. Welcome, Leah. Hey, yay! <laughs> Thank you. I feel so old when I hear that introduction. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, not intended. All right, Leah, how did you get into real estate? Uh, do you know, funny, I was in a relationship and I moved out of home with my boyfriend at the time and we rented and um, I remember going in to pay the rent and I thought, that person's not very friendly. I think I could do that job. Yeah. And I went and completed my, what was called then sub-agents, now agents rep course and um yeah and and actually knocked on so many offices doors just to try to get into the industry so um and here i am you are top of the game yeah Yeah. so how much does an agent need to disclose in victoria when it comes to crime and deaths that happen within a property in victoria agents are required to warn buyers um, with regards to any murder or deaths that have occurred at the property. Um, it's one of those areas that uh, it's important for people to be aware of because we never know what an individual's uh, religious beliefs are or, or personal circumstances are. So from a sales point of view, it is a requirement under law. Uh, moving forward into next year, the middle of next year, there will be a requ- requirement under the Residential Tenancy Act uh, for property managers to actually decide disclose if there's been a violent murder in a property within the last five years. Okay. So essentially they only have to tell you if 
you ask or does the agent really have to say by the way like a gangland killing took place here yeah. like, um, if it's something of public um, knowledge they do need to disclose it and be very open if it was uh, perhaps uh, I don't know maybe a grandfather that had passed away that was a family member um, and due to natural causes you know that would be something that, um, that they don't have such a strong requirement for disclosure uh, yeah. but if the agent knows they need to disclose so like a suicide or something like that mm. Have, have to be disclosed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how recent does the death or the crime need to be um, to be de- uh, disclosed? Um, I think that's still quite a grey area because it really depends on what impact it's going to have on the, the potential purchaser of the property. So I mentioned before that under Victoria's new uh, Residential Tenancy Act, it's within the last five years for any violent Uh, deaths that have occurred in the property Uh, so natural causes wouldn't come into effect there Um, but with regards to sales I think it really there needs to be common sense applied but also if it would be applicable if it's something that you would want to know as the purchaser acting as the agent then I think that needs to be disclosed yeah like I've been to houses um which I've read about uh, like from the 1930s where Molly Dean died in a back laneway in the back of Elwood and they actually named the actual addresses of where mm. she lived, where her where the accused murderer lived and all that sort of stuff and like full on yeah, Addison Street in, in Elwood, but the actual number, I can't remember what the number was at the time. But so did they use that as a sales tactic? No, no, no. Or was it... no this was... To me, that's really interesting history. It's like, oh, yeah, Mm. I lived in this house. Like, it's back in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. That's a bit of... And that's the thing. That's a choice that you got to make um, about that scenario, about that death. Yeah. Um, So it's important that that the consumer is given information that that could be applicable in their decision-making, 100%. Definitely. The reality is, especially in old period homes, um, Mm -hmm. there'd have to be a death of some sort within that Mm -hmm. house at some stage. Yeah. 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 You know, I think about my own home. I live in a a 1920 uh, California bungalow. Whilst we've renovated it, it's still, you know, coming up to 100 years of age. So surely when I actually think about it, somebody probably has passed away in that house sometime. Yeah. So now Carrie from Q wants to know if an agent can be fined or penalised for knowing but not disclosing. Yes, so an agent can definitely be fined or penalised for not disclosing. Um, the penalty, I think, is up to $20,000 Wow! for not giving that information. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, what happens if the agent hasn't been told about the negative history? Um, again, if the, the, the agent can only disclose what they know. Yeah. So I think if there was something that was quite prevalent and made the news and you know, they, they need to have completed their own research on the property, it doesn't take too much to, to Google an address. Um, but if they're not aware, then they can't disclose. What we will probably see happen over the next 12 months or so, there will be some tightening up in those particular sections of the different acts that the Victorian agents are governed by. Um, and there will be uh, a, a more stringent process about finding out information with regards to a property's history. So that includes sales properties as well as rental properties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so how does the negative history need to be disclosed? Does it need to be verbal or in writing? Um, I, I actually, I'm not sure if it needs to be in writing. Uh, I, I would assume it's probably safeguarding the agent and the vendor if it is put in writing just to confirm so that there is no confusion down the track and, and you know, there be a, a case come back to say, well, nobody ever told me. So yeah. I think from a a practicality point of view it's always safer to put things like that in writing rather than just having a, a general conversation at an open for inspection yeah so would would you sort of maybe find that in the section 32 or would you find that maybe as a little thing under the brochure yeah, I don't think it would actually be in either of those documents. Yeah. I think it would be more about asking the questions with the agent or if the agent was having communication with prospective purchasers to make them aware, you know, um, give them that information, but make sure, you know, here's a copy of the Section 32. By yeah. the way, you know, as per our conversation, we just want to let you know that uh, there was, you know, this death in the property in the last three years or last two years um, yeah. for you to make an educated decision. Yeah, fair enough. What about other types of disclosure like uh, if the property was in a floodplain, for instance, or termites were found 12 months ago? Um, or if a fire took place, say, in the kitchen in the last five years, that kind of thing? So again, all of that information, if, they're, if the agent is asked, they would be required to, to share that information. I think with regards to termites, it's important that you know, buyers make their own independent inquiries with regards to that. Yeah. There are certainly some areas across the state that are more termite-prone than others. Um, you know, depending on what they see at the time of the inspection. But, you know, so many of the transactions in Victoria not only come with a finance clause, you know, subject to finance, but also subject to building and pest. So people need to make their own independent assessments on that. So do we need to disclose if there's a known ghost in the house? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I... I'm not sure about ghosts. I'm not sure where they fall under legislation or regulation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, yeah, as I they're said, they're not paying rent, they're not paying mortgage. I'm they're not. Sure. <laughs> I know, like, I know I've been through some houses, and I'm sure Grant has too, where we're just like, oh, I just don't feel right. There's something going on here. 100%. Yeah, I know I feel that. Sometimes you walk and you're like, oh, is somebody else in here? Yeah. I've got that, you know, the heckles on the back of your neck kind yeah. of pop up um but i can't say i've ever asked in any of my listing of rental properties to say to the owner you know have you ever experienced you know a, a ghost in the property it just doesn't really make any of our our paperwork so far <laughs> i'm sure it hasn't <laughs> what types of buyers really care about the history of the home in terms of crime and debt i don't think there's a particular type of buyer i think we need to consider there is so many uh, variations of religious beliefs nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably a key area for many prospective buyers. <laughs> for others that don't have that level of concern, then it's really not going to face them. But if they're going to demolish the house, again, it's probably not going to be a, an area of concern. But if they are highly religious relating to those different scenarios then it would be uh, it would have an effect on them as as a buyer what should we do if we really want the property but are worried about the negative energy that may be perceived within the homes like would you for instance get yourself a i don't know spiritual person to sort of <laughs> wash away the, yeah. the things? yeah 
You know, we, um, we always encourage all buyers to do their own research, but I, I do know of probably a probably half a dozen ex examples where over the years of working in property management where we have had um, a natural death mm -hmm. in a property and um, a prospective tenants have said, can I complete a cleansing ceremony? So, yep, the owner had no issue with that. And then on the flip side, the owner actually wanting to complete a, a cleansing process in, in making sure that the, the prospective new tenants um, felt comfortable and, and settled in the home. Yeah. So, yeah, look, there are definitely scenarios out there that people do it. Yeah. yeah. I had a house once. The settlement was pretty much the same time, but the owners were still moving out when we were trying to move in. The female owners decided to do a little sage burning thing throughout the house before mm. we, because that mm. was like, well, we're cleaning out our energy so that um, you can start the home with your new energy. And yeah, I think she just left her bad energy in the house because it was, <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, some, yeah. Some people have better energy than others. They do. <laughs> do disclosures also need to be made when someone wants to rent a property versus a sale? How things differ in that respect? Yeah, the, the legislation in Victoria hasn't, for, for rental properties, hasn't been as tight as it has been for sales. So when we look at the sales, you know, if it's something that's going to influence a person's decision-making, then they need to be aware of it. Um, but for property management and, and under the, you know, the 97 um, Residential Tenancy Act, it wasn't a requirement and it still currently isn't a requirement to disclose. I think from a practitioner's point of view, many of us would go through the, the case of explaining to somebody just prior to them finalising their application. So they would still go through the application perhaps complete the application, go to the open for inspections, but at the time of getting very close to actually securing the property, have that conversation with them to say, look, we, we need you to be aware or we want you to be aware that there was a death in the property previously. Um, I think for me as a practitioner, I've taken it on board that if I don't tell somebody, the neighbours are going to tell them. So it's far better off to come from us yeah. than, than a neighbour. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. What are the new rental laws that will come into effect about disclosure? So the new ones will include things around a, a violent death in a property. Yeah. Uh, the embedded network is another one around disclosure. So there is a, a high focus from the Andrews government to make sure that renters are aware if a property that they're moving into has um, an embedded network and what the anticipated costs are going to be. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so an embedded network is particularly in a complex, so almost always in a complex. So they have one service provider that supplies all of their gas or all of their electricity. Electricity. Okay. And you have to sign up exclusively with them. So many times the developers will create a, a contractual arrangement at the time of um, building the complex and therefore it becomes an embedded network and they're supposed to be, you know, cost savings for all parties with regards to that. Um, I think over the years, some of those embedded network charges perhaps have been higher than, you know, local providers or, or yeah. outside of embedded network providers. So that's why there's been a greater focus yeah. to make sure that it has been, it is fair and um, even for the consumer moving in there. Yeah. Um, also any known, another disclosure is any known asbestos in a property. Okay. Uh, so, so that that will come through. They're probably the main ones that are, that have been discussed so far. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, and that's that's part of a larger, major change mm. in the yeah. Act at the yeah. moment, isn't it? There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's about a 130 yeah. new regulations to come through on the 1st of July. Yeah. yeah. 1st of July, for sure, yeah. 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 Do you have any stories yourself about any homes you've been to that have a bit of a past? Oh, look, yeah, it's funny. When I train property managers quite often, I'll say, you know, who's got a, 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 um, um, a tenant story where they've passed away? And sometimes the room has nothing. Yeah. And then sometimes the room has many scenarios. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I've had my fair share of um, natural deaths. Yes. where people have passed away. Uh, a few years ago, I uh, had a murder-suicide in a property, which was traumatic for, for everyone involved, yeah. um, you know, owners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've certainly had the suicides. Um, and and it's, the, it's the process of what happens because they're all different scenarios to deal with and there is no book to go to to say, you know, what do I do in the event of this and what do I do in the event of that? So a lot of it's learning on the job. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a few. I'm sure you would have. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for that, Leah. It's been a bit of an eye-opener. We will take a little break and come back with Grant's Fun Facts. Yay. So we'll do Grant's Fun Facts now. All right. (laughs) I'm a bit scared. <laughs> Story, these Yeah. Um, number one is the South Yarra apartment where interior designer Stuart Rattle was, uh, Rattle was murdered by his lover Michael O'Neill in 2013 was auctioned with the shop front in 2015 for just over $2 million and rented out for 550 per week soon after. O'Neill hit Rattle over the head with a saucepan, strangled him with a dog leash, and then and then stuffed him into a furniture bag and left on the bed for four days. While O'Neill told friends that Stuart was unwell. So there you go. Crazy things happen. <laughs> they there. do. There are so many crazy things that happen. All right. Number two, we've got a Victorian terrace in Easy Street, Collingwood, remains the place of an unsolved double murder from 1977, where 27-year-old single mum Suzanne. Armstrong and 28-year-old uh, school teacher Susan Bartlett were sexually assaulted and murdered in the home. They were found two days later after the young son of Suzanne was heard crying by the neighbours. The property remained empty for six years and sold in 1983. It was last sold in 2011 for 571. At the time, similar properties were selling for over $600,000. So it sort of shows you that it can yeah. be the price if you have a little bit of Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's also been some cases where the agents have clearly marketed the property as a um, house that's had a famous past. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at least it's clear and open and there's no hiding behind anything that yeah, somebody could find. Been, yeah. Added a premium to the property as opposed to... Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. rather than a stigma. Well, while I was doing some of the research, I actually just put the word fire in like a domain search and it came up with all the houses that had fire damage and said, you know, it's wow. at the moment. It was an Australia-wide kind of search, but... There was at least about five or six properties in Melbourne that are currently on the market with fire damage. There you go. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got one last story. Uh, this is one where potentially could add value to a property, I reckon, because yeah. famous, famous uh, 
story. The great uh, bookie robbery in 1978 is one of Melbourne's most notable crimes. Six thieves stole an estimated 14 to $16 million from bookmakers in the Victoria Club in Queen Street, Melbourne. Raymond Bennett, the leader, was killed by possibly one of the gang members, Norman Lee. Lee was charged but then acquitted of the crime. In 1986, a three-part miniseries was made for television and Lee was hired as a consultant for the miniseries. He even used his very own house, Verity Street, for the shooting scene, the actual shooting scene that he got away with. Wow. There you go. Adding adding to that, I've actually written up a house in Chelsea where I was told that the bungalow in the back of the uh, house in Chelsea was the hiding spot for one of the guys who was in the Great Bookie robbery. And um, so that was their little infamous story for for writing that house up. But, yeah, it's interesting. There's always, you know, there's always a nice little story sometimes Mm. with a house yeah creates its own personality funny isn't it yeah two different scenarios of where it can be advantageous to have crime in a property versus the other side where it's certainly not any um it doesn't create any value for 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 an owner yeah definitely there you go so now we're up to sue's quick quiz are you ready for it, Leah? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so what's your favourite Melbourne bar? Oh, do you know what? I actually don't have a favourite Melbourne bar. I have, I have three children. <laughs> so, you uh, have a bar at home. <laughs> I have a bar at home. I don't have time to go out between work, the REIV, and the, then the three boys. So, no, I actually don't. Maybe I'm just getting old. You're getting old. Okay. Yeah. So maybe do you have a favourite cafe instead? And that's the flip side. I don't drink coffee. So oh. there is, yeah, I'm very rare for a Melbourne Melbourneite. Um, yeah. No coffee in my house. And, in fact, my husband doesn't drink coffee. So <laughs> when people come over, I'm like, I can give you wine, but no coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so what's better, Flinders Street Station or Southern Cross Station? Southern Cross Station definitely can get in and out quicker. Yep. Yes. You're probably right there. Who's your favourite auctioneer to watch? Yeah. Oh, you know, as the current president of the RAV, I better not have a favourite. <laughs> you can't have a favourite. <laughs> you can't yeah. have a favourite? Oh, no, definitely, definitely no favourites in Victoria. No, no. Okay. So how about a favourite tennis player to watch the Oz Open? Do you follow the tennis? Uh, I do follow the tennis. I um, I do like, I'm really fascinated with um, Ash Barty's journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in fact, Recently, I was in San Francisco and I was able to, oh, do you know what, I've completely, oh, I've completely forgotten her name, who I saw, um, oh, Billie Jean King. I saw oh, her wow. present at a conference and the journey that she faced and, and changing women's tennis was just amazing. So, um, yeah, I think Ash Barty is probably one of my favourites at the moment. Definitely. Awesome. What's the best thing to do in Melbourne on a summer's day? Oh, look, I think it's a, either people either head to the beach or they head to the hills. And you can, in fact, do both in the one day if you really wanted to because yeah. we've got so many variations of um, water versus, um, you know, hills or, or parkland. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, it's sometimes it's just actually, you know, catching up with friends or, you know, trying to catch up with all of my extra duties or emails that I need to... <laughs> Yeah. Clear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What instrument did you play when you were young? 
did you? Uh, no musical talent, absolutely at all. Uh-huh. And I, my youngest is just finishing grade six, and I did have a a bit of a um, you know smile moment when I got to throw his recorder in the bin just last oh. week. Yeah, because is- it's the most horrific instrument out there. Yeah, it, it pretty <laughs> much is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. What should every house in Melbourne have? Oh, a mirror, a really good mirror, because I think sometimes people leave the house and um, maybe should actually review their outfits before they go. Yeah, that's that's a good call, yeah. Yeah. So when was the last time you stood and watched or gave money to a Melbourne busker? Um, do you know, just the other day, well, actually it wasn't Melbourne, it was in San Francisco when I was there for a conference, but um, my husband and I stopped and watched the, a busker um, pretend to be Michael Jackson and he was amazing. Oh, so that was pretty cool, yeah. There's some pretty good buskers out there. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Wasn't there, so the, yeah, the current, the girl that won the Aria, was the yeah, music she's next Yeah, that's right, yeah. Tones and I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mornington girl, she's yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, how old were you when you bought your first property? Uh, I was just twenty, so oh. very young. Yeah, and um, I purchased it with my partner at the time. That yeah. that it didn't end as well as the investment opportunity. <laughs> um, uh, but I still own it. I still own it today. Oh, wow. oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Very well done. And last one, what's your favourite winery in Victoria? Oh, you know, anything along the Mornington Peninsula. Um, there are just a, a huge array of, of different wineries. Anything that will provide a really good Pinot Noir for me or a, a great champagne. So, yeah, I'm a red and a white, but, um, you know, I don't have a particular favourite, but there's so many to choose from down there. Yeah, and they're all pretty good. They're all good. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's about it. We had a bit of a talk before about uh, the RIV. Can you tell our listeners more about the RIV and how any real estate agent can basically be a member? Yeah, so the RIV is a membership organisation and the RIV, when you think about uh, organisations that lobby government. The REOV is one of the the major ones and they are continually looking after not only property managers but sales agents, you know, vendors, uh, purchasers and also, you know, landlords. Uh, So there's lots of lobbying that goes on with government for all the different sectors of the acts that we have. And in fact, we're currently working on the RTA. We've worked on the pools and spas, which is new legislation that's just come out and and there's more... um, sales legislation that will come out next year and you know from a training and development point of view there's so many different opportunities for people to to learn from other agents um you know receive first-hand training of what's going on and um how to continue to develop and, and better their own careers so there is definitely lots of opportunities out there for people to to be part of that membership organization and i guess the good thing too is that if you are an reiv member you're basically taken a bit more seriously in the work. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, there's a there's been a large push for us over the last twelve months to really highlight to the public there there is a key difference between an agent 
that um, you know runs without the the guidelines and I suppose support of of being an REIB member. Definitely. So when you go choosing your agents, make mm. sure they're an REIB member to yep. sell sell and lease your properties. Yeah, yeah. They keep your your agents to the highest standard. Yes, there you go. definitely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So thank you so much, Leah, for a fantastic episode on agent disclosure. I'm intrigued now about how many houses are actually affected by all the unspoken events that could happen in a house. Uh, we hope to have you in again throughout the year to talk maybe a bit more about property management. Yeah. Definitely. That's thank definitely my favourite. Real Estate Right is a real copyright and we shoot buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast. Audio stock for sound effects, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Zoom for our video conference service. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe on your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.